Hi everyone, this is Nikki Papayuanu and I'm your host of Superstar PR. This is season five and I promise you the best guests we've ever had because I've gone around the world and I found people that fascinate me to no end and I'm introducing them to you. Have a listen and thanks for joining us. everyone i'm so excited about today's guest not just because he's a client uh he's a client because i believe in what he says his name is dr Quajo. he's the head of the ottawa icu and has a resume that's like the longest thing on earth so i can't even read half his bio to you um he has a <laughs> podcast actually tell us Quajo. tell us about yourself yeah i mean thank you for the uh introduction nikki but uh yeah i'm an icu doc i run a department host a podcast, do a lot of uh, endeavors to try and get our community healthier. Podcast is solving healthcare when we cover a lot of topics on how you prevent seeing myself in an intensive care unit. So yeah, we're uh, we're pretty excited about stuff. And then a lot of that content spills over into our social media. So TikTok and Twitter and IG and yeah, just we call, what we call it, Nikki on the show is trying to change the boogie trying to change the narrative, change that boogie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I I like it. I listen. I, I've shared a lot of your podcast interviews because you guys are saying things a lot of doctors I'm not hearing hearsay. <laughs> so that's cool. I mean, I want to ask you about, I know everyone asks you this, but what are some of the lessons you think you took out of dealing with COVID during an emergency time? Yeah, I mean, so many lessons. I mean, I don't even know where to start. First thing first is, really focusing on things that you could, you can control, you know, when there was a time of extreme fear and anxiety and uncertainty, you know, focusing on the areas that you have control over were, was so helpful in terms of appeasing your nerves and, and just, and, and just going through that tough time. Cause I'll tell you, I was there when like in this hospital, when our first ICU patient came through, we were scared. We were, there was a lot of, there was a lot of anxiety and we we had a process in place to to try and keep us safe and to keep the the patient safe and relying on that it got us through um being agile and being knowing that you got to adapt to the times and when new data emerges it's so important to be able to be flexible and at a higher level just not making decisions from a place of fear i think was a big lesson for me when I see some of the negative consequences of our of our restrictions when I look at our kids eating disorder, mental health, physical health, obesity, um, and you know I look at their uh, you know ability to even socialize these days. Uh, when we look at you know cancer cancer screening was sacrificed, and so we're seeing people come in with later stage cancers and. We, we see the delays in surgeries. All these things, went, in my opinion, was because we, we approach COVID from a place of fear as opposed to more of our values, what's important to us. You know, I, I really felt strongly that we abandoned our kids too much during this thing. So I, I think um, that's my that's my perspective, like one of the couple of least big lessons from the pandemic. I I have to agree about the sentiment on how we abandon kids. There was a lot of disbelief. Um, moms would talk and say, is this even really happening? And seeing our kids now, the after effects 
of them not wanting to shake hands and not looking in, each, in people's eyes and avoiding going close to other people. I think, you know, my son's teacher and, you know, bless her, this is what she knew, was wearing a hazmat suit and <laughs> still kind of does. And my son thinks everybody should wear gloves now. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like the anxiety that it propels when, like I'll tell you, you know, the perspective that, you know, treating COVID patients has given me was, you know, who needs to worry and kids were the healthy kids were the last ones that needed to worry. And, uh, I think we needed to leverage that as opposed to amplify the fear. Oh, that is so good. And I mean, Kwajo, now, now that you see the after effects of COVID, there's this virus going around in hospitals, RSV, RVS, what's it called? Oh, RSV. Sorry, RSV. Is that scaring you? No, like I mean, this is this is normal. Like it's very common uh, respiratory virus that affects the very young and the very old, and we see it every year. We developed. You'll hear this concept called immunity debt getting thrown around every once in a while, and it's the idea that we haven't been exposed to many viruses and and so forth because we've been at home or uh, we've just been apart for you know on and off for two and a half years, so. Yeah, right now it seems to be, you know, more more kids uh, or the hospitals seem to be being overrun right now with respiratory illnesses, but this should subside at some point. But, you know, like I said, there's the consequences to our actions, unfortunately, and this is one of them. And so, um, you know, I hope we learn our lesson moving forward that, you know, don't mess too much with nature. Absolutely. Um, it's It just kind of felt unnatural telling people to stay away cover your face when you have fresh air people drive in their cars right now with masks and i can't i'm start laughing i'm like this is this is so wrong but i don't know oh, oh nikki i saw someone riding their bike with an n95 on and no helmet i'm like you this is you need help i'm sorry but this is you gotta set your priorities son <laughs> hey dr quadro said it not me um okay so let me ask you um you talk a lot about reversing metabolic disease. Can you tell our listeners what a metabolic disease constitutes of and maybe how you believe these things can be reversed? Yeah, great question, Nikki. So just a bit of background too. It's when we, in the first couple of waves of the pandemic, it was quite clear that metabolic syndrome was associated with poor outcomes. And what I mean by metabolic syndrome, it's uh, conditions such as type 2 diabetes, obesity, uh, high high cholesterol, so these conditions were literally associated with your you know your risk of dying from COVID, and so we'd start to look more into these things and and ask ourselves, you know, can we do something collectively in the public to inform them? Can you reverse diabetes? Can you reverse metabolic syndrome? And this is not something you learn in med in medical school, but as we dove into it, especially on the show, you realize that people can reverse these conditions. You can come off your diabetic medication by whether it is low carb, whether it is intermittent fasting, keto, or just sticking with a whole food diet, um, you know, adding resistance training, like all these things that, you know, there's not a cookie cutter or one solution for all, but, you know, what we advocate on the show is find, find out what works for you and then push that you know for me for example i loved intermittent fasting i've been doing it for almost five years now uh one of the of my friend's uh brothers he he reached out to, to us telling us a story about how he 
was able to get off his diabetic meds through intermittent fasting and being low carb. So, you know, just like these um, tools to provide folks to, 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 to get healthier. And the other thing was like, it's not only re- at the time reducing your risk of COVID, but also live a longer life, reduce your risk of heart disease, stroke, cancers, all these things improve if you, if you get healthier. So uh, we have been pretty, pretty passionate about these topics. I share the sentiment that food is health. And um, I, I think I was at Socrates. I don't know. Somebody said like food is your health, but I believe, and I know some people think this is kind of outlandish that whatever you eat and your intention with eating can really control and impact how you feel. And there's a compound effect. Quadro, you questioned me about my smoothie and I was like, sweet, Quadro approves because I drink it every day. <laughs> oh, that smoothie was dynamic and wicked. That's what I was going to, I was going to rip that one off. Well, my friends rip it off. I'll text you the recipe. Everyone, it's like simple. I've been making it for years. You know, I either do it with blueberries or I do it just with coffee. I'll do plant protein, hemp seeds. Sometimes I'll do a Brazilian nut. I'll one, one date, I'll do Greek yogurt, unsweetened almond milk. And did I mention the decaf espresso? It just tastes like heaven. You didn't, but bang. So good. Okay. Let me ask you. Um, I asked this because I have some dear friends who have MS um, do you believe that multiple sclerosis can be reversed? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I, you know, there's some pretty aggressive treatments out there that have, that have attempted to reverse it. Like I know that's been, like, I, I believe it, uh, at our site, even we've had bone marrow transplants to try and reverse these things. I, I've, I've seen some anecdotes of people modifying their diet, being less inflammatory diet and, I don't know if it cures it or just reduces the progression or reduces uh, uh, the episodes of, of, of MS, but certainly um, it makes sense on paper, like having less inflammatory foods of, like that, you know, because MS is an autoimmune disease where your body at, attacks itself. So in, anything that would promote uh, reducing inflammation and reducing those, 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 you know, cells that will uh, promote inflammation makes sense. But MS is the world is evolving constantly. But this is one of those conditions, I believe, in the future, there will be a definitive cure. Okay, let me ask you, I need to know if there are any life lessons you live by, and I don't need them to be fancy. You know, somebody said to me that one of theirs was why not me? But do you have something that you play over in your mind as you go through life? I think the nature of my job being a ICU doc and a palliative care doc is you realize life is short. And sometimes you just remind yourself, like, if this was your last day, last week, how would you want to be? What would you want to be doing? What would you want to say? You know, that sometimes it acts as incentive to call call your mom or your loved one and say, hey, love you. How are you doing? Absolutely. Connecting with, yeah, connecting with people that that love you. Otherwise, a big one for me is, you know, know your values and and let them be your guiding principle. And I've been a big, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was for me, but justice and equity and uh, equality, that that to me was more of a driver for my behavior than I guess I would have thought. It was really illustrated during the pandemic, just voicing, like speaking up for those that can't speak of, speak for themselves. So, I mean, 
we talked about it earlier, advocating for our kids and their own mental health and their own well-being. Yeah, those are the two that come to mind. Oh, those are good. And you know, I, it's not lost on me that you have a very different experience as a black doctor than somebody else would. So, I mean, maybe you can tell us some of your experiences just because of the color of your skin, what you've heard when you're trying to help people. I've heard it all. Like you've been called an N-word. You've been told to go back to Africa. You've been asked for when the real doctor's going to come into the room. As the chief of the department, they ask, they've comment like people just say like they don't believe it. Like, so yeah, you, you, you get it all. Um, and you know, it's, it's challenging. Like you're, you're up against a lot of systemic issues that systemic barriers that make it more challenging to get a seat at the table. But at the same time, it's made me who I am. Like I, I really believe I could do anything, you know, like you, 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 you end up getting that you know, body armor is the right term, but you get that resilience. And when someone tells you you can't do something, you don't take it for face value. You say, we'll see. And let's go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Use it as fuel. I like to, I like people telling me that I can't do something so I could be that much more motivated. And it's happened throughout my life. And, but at the same time, I don't think I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for that adversity. Well, you know, Quadro. Um, I struggle with adversity because I think the greatest people on the planet have dealt with it all. Oprah's life. Wow. Look at Oprah, your life. Wow. Look at you. And then I think, I just wonder with my own kid, right? If life is too easy for him, is he going to want for anything? Is he going to have a hustle? Is he going to try? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I hear you. I think our kids are, I mean, our kids are raised spoiled, like relative and that's why I, I think, you know, you just make it a priority. Like, you, you know, they don't get spoon fed their, their, their income. You got to earn, you got to earn your keep. You got, there's just ways of kind of embodying it in the day to day or, or just in their lives that for you to get to where you want to get to, you're going to need to work and you just make it a priority. Like I, I got three kids and and all my wife and I often, I love you, Kathy, but we often dispute some approaches with the littles, but. Are you the uh, one who's making it harder or Kathy makes it harder? No, I'm making it harder. Uh. I, I, it sounds bad. Like I, I think because I, I'm raising sons, it's a, a lot easier. If I had a little girl, I think I'd be the soft one. Like, like whatever you want, let's have some candy for supper. But my boys, I don't know. I know this maybe is controversial to to say, but it's just a bit easier, you know, like I'm raising future men, you know, and uh, I find it a little bit easier to stand my ground. No, it's interesting you say that. Um, I think I'm a little too soft sometimes on my kids, but then there's that joke where my husband walks in the room and I'm doing a push-up competition with my son because I'm like, someone's got to teach him how to do this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We call it going beast mode in our house. Beast mode? Okay. I'm yes. going to beast mode to Nicholas. He <laughs> he follows you on TikTok and he says, can I see Quadro on TikTok, please? And that's oh, how we see TikTok. Cute. That's so yes. cute. So, so Dr. Quadro, I mean, do you have anything you want to tell our listeners about that's happening to you? Work Things you're working on, things you want to mention? 
Oh my goodness, Nikki, we got so much happening. I I don't even know where to start. But I mean, number one thing is one area when it came to when we we look at solving healthcare. I look at so many middle-aged women that have been really underserved in terms of managing their menopausal symptoms. And, you know, when you dive into it, you realize how many people quit their jobs, retire early, have mental health related issues because of just the lack of guidance. And so we we're starting a uh, perimenopausal clinic called Prosper. It's just to support uh, women going through this, uh, you know, challenging time and and so we're we're going to be launching that in december um we're going to make uh always giving talks around racism around leadership i think i'm i think you got a got me going on the social in december which is just going to be super fun and and really i'm really jazzed up about that um we're working on a book too right right nikki we're working on a book on leadership which i think um it's something we just lacked during the last couple of years. And I, I just worry about our youth's ability to navigate, you know, tough times. So I think the, like really putting some effort and thought into how we want our, our future leaders to, to represent is so important. So I'm going to put in my two cents because I don't know if my approach is conventional, but it's helped me uh, get to, to where I am. And, uh, so yeah, I think those are the major things we got, you know, solving wellness where we're we're helping to address burnout within the healthcare providers and a lot of a lot of uh, initiatives. But we, once again, just trying to change that boogie. <laughs> wow! Thank you, Doctor Quajo. Thank you for being a guest on Superstar PR. Uh, this has been a long time in the waiting. You're an awesome guest. Always want to pick your brain. I'm gonna write a bunch of other questions that I'm gonna ask you again another day. You're like the best guest and everybody can follow Dr. Quadjo at Quadcast. Yeah, all, all the above. Like, first of all, thank you for having me. This is always spectacular. I don't know how you found me, but it's changed my life. Let me tell you, if you could get on that Nikki Inc., folks, do this, do this. But uh, uh, yeah, if you want to follow us uh, at Quadcast, our biggest following is on TikTok, uh, then Instagram. We're also on uh, Twitter and Facebook, but uh yeah, I think it'll be content that people will find helpful. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much, Nikki. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Superstar PR, the podcast. This is season five, and we hope you've enjoyed listening. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know how you like this episode. 